Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a devotional reflection upon the New Testament lesson from the Order for Evening Prayer from the Book of Common Prayer 1928. These reflections are written and presented by Father Charles Erlinson, who serves at the Church of the Good Shepherd Reformed Episcopal Church in Tyler, Texas. Today is Saturday of the 19th Sunday after Trinity. The lesson is taken from Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 15. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Then were they brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed thence. Jesus' teaching on divorce seems so hardcore to us modern or postmodern Christians. I mean, in Mark's Gospel, he teaches that whoever divorces and remarries commits adultery. And here in Matthew, he only adds the exception of sexual infidelity. This isn't a very forgiving or generous attitude towards divorce, is it? I mean, what if my wife and I just happen to drift apart after a lot of years? What if we're incompatible? What if I've had it with her and simply can't put up with her anymore? I think that one of the problems is that we don't really believe that marriage represents the marriage between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. We don't really believe that marriage is a sacrament that God blesses. We don't understand that when a man and a woman are so joined, they become one flesh and one life. Instead, we treat marriage like a contract. That's why we have prenups, right? What's the difference between a covenant, which marriage truly is, and a contract, which we treat it as? The covenant is put into effect by an oath. You remember your marriage vows or oaths, don't you? We swear that we will stay married as one flesh, as long as we both shall live, regardless of our circumstances, whether rich or poor, or whether we're sick or healthy. God is the silent third party at every Christian marriage, and when you get married, you also have made vows to God. You've told him that you vow to stay with this person 
for the rest of your life. Because such vows mean business and suggest a permanence that is at odds with our supermarket of choices, in the modern postmodern world, we get to write our own vows. It's all about us. The basic premise of this modern contract is that I agree to stay in this relationship as long as I fulfill, feel fulfilled in it, however I choose to define fulfillment. It's actually a mercenary transaction, and the moment I get a better offer, I'm out of here. If you truly believe that your marriage is for life, you'll be motivated to work towards making it that way. But if you think there's an asterisk by your name on the marriage certificate, then you've already agreed to be willing to lead a life where divorce is an option. This is the essence of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's interesting that the one exception Jesus allows for is sexual immorality, which in a marriage essentially means sexual infidelity. No doubt, sex in marriage is important. It's part of the becoming one flesh, literally and metaphorically. But sometimes we're too hung up on the sex. Everything is ultimately about sex, we're taught. The truth is that sexual infidelity is always preceded by other kinds of infidelity. You don't just wake up one morning, see a beautiful woman you don't know, and say, I think I'll give up 20 years of marital bliss for a few hours of a really good time. How many smaller infidelities must have led up to each decision to commit adultery? No woman wakes up one morning after 20 years of marital bliss and says, Honey, I think I want a divorce. Usually there is a fairly long period of growing apart, although in some cases there was never much of a true relationship to begin with, which is its own problem for which there is culpability. In a way, I think we groom ourselves for divorce. The romantic relationships that a lot of Christian young people have are a series of intimate relationships that get shattered. The pattern seems to be to draw close, become intimate, and hope and pray that the inevitable breakup doesn't come, and then wonder why it did and why it hurt so much. What we don't understand is the nature of the covenantal marriage relationship that God has created. For this reason, parents who divorce often underestimate the devastation that divorce wreaks on their children. When I had some of my students write their spiritual journeys, I was moved to tears by some of their accounts of the terrifying effects of their parents' divorce on them. No wonder they couldn't concentrate in school or didn't care. No wonder that a lot of postmodernity is about being homeless, and that teens today often feel abandoned. In light of the devastating impact that divorce has on the little ones of Jesus, Jesus' blessing of the children in verses 13 through 15 is positively chilling. What's missing from all of this is Jesus' understanding of marriage. But what can an unmarried man really know about marriage, some may say? But we forget that this man, who is also God, is married to his people, the church. I think Jesus is fully aware of how difficult his teaching on divorce is. Remember, it comes after he has now begun to teach his disciples that the bridegroom must soon give up his life for his bride. Jesus' teaching on divorce comes after his teaching on the cost of discipleship and the necessity of a denying self, which is the center of love and every good marriage. This is what marriage is really about. It's all about love. It's about the kind of love that the bridegroom has for his bride. It's about the sacrifice that Christ makes for his church. Only if a man and woman set out to serve each other in love, as their master has served them, will they have a sure foundation for a lasting marriage. The same applies for any relationship that any of you are in, whether married or not. Think about a difficult relationship you have now or have had before. How would that relationship be different if you set out to relate to that person with nothing but love, regardless of what you got back in return? How might that relationship be better and more wonderful if you unilaterally chose to repay evil with love? How many more put-downs and criticisms might you absorb if you put on love, and how many fewer criticisms and naggings would you commit if you put on love? What if both of you set out to serve each other in love? What kind of relationship would be possible? No one said it would be easy. Maybe your spouse or person you have a relationship with 
it could be a difficult sibling, for example, isn't exactly a jewel. Maybe you feel like you were dealt a rotten hand. Of course, if you're married, then it's a hand you dealt yourself. But consider the deal that Jesus got. He didn't exactly end up with the pick of the litter, and yet how he loves his bride, that is, us. Jesus' teaching about divorce is indeed hard, but it's hard because love is to be made of the hardest substance known to man, and that is love. It's hard because marriage is a picture of the marriage of Christ in the church, and it's hard because marriage is the most amazing, intense, and powerful way in the world for two people to practice taking up their crosses and denying themselves in love for the love of the other. Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a presentation of Always With Christ Radio, radio in the Anglican way.